0: Welcome to Gospel Mission Church's message podcast. We pray that God will meet you in this time with a fresh revelation of his love for you and that you will be challenged to align with the amazing plans that God has waiting for you. We hope you enjoy this week's message. Moody, he was a a well-known preacher, a well-known evangelist in the 1800s, and uh, he tells a story uh, of of a time that he went to preach at the Ohio State Prison. He shares this story in one of his books, and I want to start by reading this story. He says this, I was in Ohio a few years ago, and I was invited to preach in the state prison. 1,100 convicts were brought into the chapel and all sat in front of me. After I had got through the preaching, the chaplain said to me, Mr. Moody, I I want to tell you of a scene which occurred in this room. A few years ago, our commissioners went to the governor of the state and got him to promise that he would pardon five men for good behavior. The governor consented with this understanding, that the record was to be kept secret, and that at the end of six months, the five men highest on the roll would receive a pardon regardless of who or what they were. Imagine that, right? At the end of six months, the prisoners were all brought into the chapel. The commissioners came. The president stood on the platform and put his hand in his pocket and brought out some papers and said, I hold in my hand pardons for five men. And the chaplain told me he had never witnessed anything on earth like it. Every man was still as death. Many were deadly pale. The suspense was awful. It seemed as if every heart had stopped beating. The commissioner went on to tell him how they had got the pardon, but the chaplain interrupted him. Before you make your speech, read out the names. This suspense is awful. So he read out the first name, Reuben Johnson will come and get his pardon. He held it out, but none came forward. He said to the warden, are all the prisoners here? And the warden told him they were all there. And then he said again, Reuben Johnson will come and get his pardon. It's signed and sealed by the governor. He is a free man. Not one person moved. The chaplain looked right down where Reuben was. He was well known. He had been there for 19 years. And many were looking around to see him spring to his feet. But he himself was looking around to see the fortunate man who had got this pardon. Finally, the chaplain had caught his eye and said, Reuben, you are the man. Reuben turned around and looked behind him to see where Reuben was. The chaplain said a second time, Reuben, you are the man. And the second time he looked around thinking it must be some other Reuben. He had to say it three times, Reuben, come and get your pardon. And at last the truth began to wash over the old man. He got up, came along down the hall, trembling head to foot. And when he got, to the, got the pardon, he looked at it. He went back to his seat. He buried his face in his hands and wept. When the prisoners got into the ranks to go back to their cells, Reuben got into the ranks too and the chaplain had to call him back, Reuben, get out of the ranks. You are a free man. You're no longer a prisoner. And Reuben stepped out of the ranks and he was free. Tell someone next to you, get out of the ranks. Yeah, get out of the ranks. We're, We're starting this new series, Walking in Freedom. And it's, it's, an, it's going to be an amazing series. I'm so excited about it because it's all about the freedom we have in Christ. And we want to talk about some of the things that hold us back, that keep us imprisoned, that keep us in the ranks, so to speak, that keep us from walking out in the freedom that God has for each of us, the freedom that we have access to. You know, I, I, I don't know if, if you're like me. I know in my own life, sometimes I'm, I'm like Reuben. You know, I, I, I've been granted this pardon, and I have this access to freedom, but for various reasons, I, I don't necessarily walk in that freedom. I don't know if you can relate. Sometimes we, we have the pardon, but we, we don't walk in the freedom. We don't live in the freedom. And I think it's so important that we, that we do, no matter what our reason might be. You know, Maybe it's, maybe, maybe it's that we don't believe we can be free. Maybe we've lost all hope that we can be free and it's so far from reality, it feels like this foreign concept we can't even comprehend. Or maybe we're just so deeply ingrained in habits and mindsets that we just mindlessly continue as prisoners. Whatever our reason might be for not stepping into the freedom that we have access to, I want to remind us today to get out of the ranks. And to live in the freedom that we've been given as Christians, if we've accepted Christ, if we've made him, put our faith in him, our sentence has been pardoned. Our sentence has been pardoned. We, we all had a similar story to Reuben where we, we were in prison, right? We, we were prisoners on death row. We had no hope of freeing ourselves. We were hopeless and helpless in every way. There was nothing we could do. But then Jesus came and wiped our slate clean and said, you are free. You get a fresh start. You get to walk in freedom. That's what he came to do. I love John 8 verse 36. It says, so if the son being Jesus sets you free, you are truly free. You're truly free. Not just kinda, not just maybe, you are truly free. He came to set us free. It was his mission. It was his mission. Look, look. he shows us this in Luke 4, verse 16 to 21. It's it's a beautiful revelation of Jesus, his mission, and, and, and from his own words. Look what it says. When he, being Jesus, came to the village of Nazareth, his boyhood home, he went as usual to the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read the scriptures. The scroll of Isaiah, the prophet, was handed to him. So, so, he, so, so picture this scene, right? He's in front of a group of people and, and somebody hands him the scroll of Isaiah and he's going to read this, 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 this writing that was, that was written by the prophet Isaiah hundreds of years before. And, and this is what happens. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where this was written. The spirit of the Lord is upon me for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. Then he rolled up the scroll, he handed it back to the attendant, and sat down. All eyes in the synagogue looked at him intently, and then he began to speak to them. The scripture you've just heard has been fulfilled this very day. He's saying, Isaiah prophesied about this mission. And by the way, guys, this mission, Jesus is saying, this prophecy is about me. (laughs) He's saying, that's what I came to do. Remember when it was promised that good news for the poor, captives would be released, the blind would see, the oppressed would be set free. Yeah, that's what I'm here to do, guys. That's been fulfilled today. Isn't that amazing? He he reveals his mission. And and I just want us to to let that sink in as we as we lay the foundation for this series on freedom, as we as we do some groundwork today to prepare for for this series and how we're gonna build on this in the coming weeks. I, I want us to realize this. I want us to let this change our hearts. Jesus came for your freedom. Jesus came for your freedom. That should change us, right? And it does. He came to pardon us. Like I said, we were helpless. We were hopeless. We, we were sentenced to death. We were sentenced to hell with eternity separated from Jesus. But he came, right? That's a big but. But he came. He came so that John 3.16 would be truth to all of us, that it would apply to all of us. Think about that. Let's read it together. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. You can read it with me. That whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Look at 17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. When's the last time we've let this truth sink in really deep into our hearts that he came for our freedom, that we would not be condemned, that we would not perish, but that we would have eternal life. That never gets old. You know, we, go, we gotta realize these, these familiar verses. Sometimes we gotta slow down and, and let them hit us again, right? Think about that truth. Think about that truth. We have freedom for eternity. Tell someone next to you, Jesus came for your freedom. Jesus came for your freedom, yeah, now, just for fun, say it in your best brave heart voice. Say the word freedom. Freedom! Yeah. <laughs> Some of you haven't seen it, anyways. William Wallace. Uh, funny. Freedom. He came to set us free for eternity. You know what's amazing? It doesn't stop there. It doesn't stop there. It's not just freedom for eternity. Sometimes we think about freedom and we think about it as as a future thing. And it is that. It is that. It's freedom for eternity. It's freedom for, for heaven with Jesus instead of hell without him. Yes, absolutely. But listen, it's also for now. This truth about freedom, it should change our lives now. Think about it. Jesus came. This is what this series is about. It, it, it's, it's so that we can walk in the freedom now. Jesus came to bring freedom now. Things like fear and anxiety, he came to bring freedom from it. Things like guilt and shame, he, he came to bring freedom from it. Things like unforgiveness, he came to bring freedom from it. I mean, think about that, that's, that's a life-changing realization when we realize that, that we can have freedom now from these things. That changes us, right? That changes everything. Freedom from sin. Freedom from sin. Think about it. We were under slavery to sin. Look at Romans 6. I don't know when's the last time you've looked at Romans 6, but we're going to read a bunch of it together today. Talks about this. Romans 6 verse 1. Well then... Should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Of course not. He's saying, if you think grace, if you think freedom is this license to sin, of course not. You totally missed the point. If you think that grace, somehow if you want more grace, you should sin more, right? Like that, no, you missed it. If that's how you think, that's not what grace and freedom is about. Of course not. He goes on in verse two, since we've died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Or have you forgotten that when you were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined him in his death? For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism, and just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. Underline that, new lives. We may also live new lives. Since we have been united with him in his death, we will also be raised to life as he was. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that, don't miss this, so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. We are no longer slaves to sin. We're not under the condemnation of sin. It doesn't reign over us anymore. Right? It doesn't reign over us. We're not obligated to be under its power any longer. It's not our master. Verse 7 says it again. For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. And since we died with Christ, we know we will also live with him. We're sure of this because Christ was raised from the dead and he will never die again. Death no longer has any power over him. When he died, he died once to break the power of sin. But now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God. And so you also should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. Jesus came to bring us freedom from the power of sin. You know, we we have to realize that, that we have an enemy and, and, and the devil would love for us to continue to believe that we are still under the power of sin. And that he still somehow has some power over us and that sin has to rule or reign in our lives. He would love us to think that. You know, it reminds me of a story I heard a while ago um, from, from a, 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 it's a story that happened a long time ago when, when uh, slavery was first abolished in Jamaica What happened was that that they passed this law, and and it was that all slaves would be legally free. But there were some slaves in rural parts of Jamaica that didn't hear about this law being passed for years. And so they kept serving their master for years after they were legally free. And, And their masters didn't tell them, and they were deceived because their masters wanted to squeeze every ounce of of free labor out of these captives. They they wouldn't have had to be captives, but they didn't know the truth. That that blows my mind, right? You know, the the enemy, his his go-to tactic is to lie and to deceive, kind of like that. He would love for us to believe that somehow we are still under the power of sin, that we don't have what we need to break free from sin. He would love for us to believe that and be under that deception. But we we need to understand, we need to realize, right, it no longer has any power. Guys, we don't have to stay stuck. We have an option. Thanks to Jesus, thanks to his blood on the cross, we have an option. We have an opportunity to walk in freedom because he is our chain breaker, He's our chain breaker. We don't have to stay stuck. We're not obligated to be controlled by sin. I think we need to clarify that Paul is not saying that someone who has come alive to God will never commit sin. So if you're starting to hear this and and condemnation is creeping in like, oh, okay, maybe, maybe, you know, I I don't know because I still sin. Oh, okay. Well, listen, it's not about condemnation. It's not that we will be perfect. It's that now we have the option for freedom despite our imperfection, right? We're we're free under God's grace. I I, I hope you see it. I hope you see it. You know, yes, we're still gonna make mistakes, but we have this option for freedom to live under his grace. So let's receive it. Let's walk in it. Let's walk in it, amen? Amen. when we when we talk about freedom at the foundation and again i'm laying the foundation today but as we as we talk about freedom we need to understand at the foundation that it's freedom from something we've talked about it right sin and hell it's freedom from sin and hell but I want us to see that Christian freedom doesn't stop at freedom from. It's not just about breaking free from something. It is that, absolutely. We're free from so many things, so it is free from, but listen, it it doesn't stop at freedom from, it's also freedom for. Jesus came to bring freedom from, but he also came to bring freedom for something. He freed us from sin and hell, and he freed us for relationship with God and doing life his way. The Bible calls it righteous living. I I, I think in order to understand this better, we need to understand the difference between kind of the world's idea of freedom and true freedom. We need to understand the difference. There, There is a difference. The world's view of freedom would typically be, and I think it's up there, individual autonomy, right? Individual autonomy. It's about autonomy being self-governed, being independent, right? It's about the ability to do whatever one pleases without constraint or interference from others or external authorities. It's about freedom of choice. It's about freedom to pursue personal desires and live according to our own preferences without restrictions, that that's pretty accurate. That's how the world would define freedom, right? Like that's you know you think about freedom in our country, freedom in our land. That's that's you know it it, it that's how we would define freedom. And I don't think it's completely wrong, but but I do want to say I don't think it's quite that simple. See, Christian freedom. I, I I think this this North American idea of freedom. I think it creeps into the church sometimes, and I think it shapes the way that we see Christian freedom too. We, 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 we might see this kind of way of freedom and we might, it might start to shape or, or bend our view of freedom toward this idea that, that, that we throw off all restraints and we're free to do whatever we want. That's not freedom. And according to the Bible, that, that's actually slavery. That's slavery to our own desires and our own temptations. Listen, real freedom is about the ability to say no to what our flesh wants. Real freedom is about the ability to say no to what our flesh wants. That's where we find freedom. That's different than the world's definition of freedom, but it's true. Freedom to say no. William Barclay, he says it this way, and I think it sums it up so very well. Christian freedom does not mean being free to do as we like. It means being free to do as we ought. (laughs) It's good, right? It's good. We are free to do as we ought. It's, It's freedom from, but it's also freedom for Real Christian freedom is the ability to say no to the pleasures of sin and instead say yes to God's way of doing life and living for his glory. We can only be free when we come under God's constraints. <laughs> that sounds like an oxymoron, right? But, but you, you, you get it, right? You see it. It's, that's how Christian freedom works. It's only when we come under God's constraints that we actually find freedom. It's not about being self-governed. It's not about being independent. It's about being fully dependent on God. That's where we find freedom. If we pick up in verse 12 of Romans 6, it keeps talking about this too. It says, do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to sinful desires Kind of saying, like, our, our fleshly desires always lock us up. Like, don't go back to that, right? Verse 13, do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God. For you were dead, but now you have new life. So use your whole body. Listen, we start to see the freedom for, right here. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. You've got freedom, now use that freedom for this. Sin is no longer your master, for you no longer live under the requirements of the law, instead you live under the freedom of God's grace. Well then, since God's grace has set us free from the law, does that mean we should go on sinning? We can go on sinning, of course not, he repeats himself, right? Don't don't you realize that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey? You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. True freedom is in obedience. It's when we submit to his lordship. That's one of the first values in our list of values as a church. I don't know if you've read that in a while. If you haven't, you should. It's it's that Jesus will be functional lord. Jesus would be functional Lord, not just a figurehead, not just someone we say we believe in, but, but functional Lord, the one who calls the shots in our life. That's what it means to have Jesus as functional Lord, and that's that's what I'm talking about. That's where we find freedom, is when He is the Lord, when He calls the shots in our life. It starts in relationship, but He is Lord. He's the one, He's the King goes on in 17, thank God once you were slaves of sin, but now you wholeheartedly obey this teaching we have given you. Now you are free from your slavery to sin and you've become slaves to righteous living. So we see it, freedom from sin and hell. Freedom for, righteous living, for relationship with God and living by his principles, by doing life his way. That's what we have. That, that's where, under his lordship, in relationship, that's where we experience true freedom. In John 8, uh, we already read John 8, verse 36, but I want to give us the context to that verse because it's we 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 hear it all the time. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. It's free indeed. Look at look at the context of that in John 8, verse 31. Jesus said to the people who believed in him, You are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. Saying, If you you obey, if you you take these principles that I'm teaching to heart and, and, and actually follow them, it says, And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. His way sets us free. When we read his word, when we obey his principles, it sets us free. Look at their response in verse 33. But we're descendants of Abraham, they said, we have never been slaves to anyone. What do you mean you'll be set free? They they had no clue that they were in bondage. What do you mean? And then Jesus says, Jesus replied, "I, I, I tell you the truth, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. A slave is not a permanent member of the family, but a son is part of the family forever. And then he says, so if the son sets you free, you are truly free. It's obedience. It's, it's following his way. It's, it's coming to him. It's coming in relationship with him. He's saying, you, you need me to set you free. Like, wake up like you don't see your, your bondage. You need to come to me to do things my way. You need to be set free. Jesus is our freedom, but it requires us to come to him. If I can just close with that thought that that we gotta come to him. right? Jesus is our freedom, but we gotta come to him. We gotta give it to him we got to submit our lives, live, live in relationship, but also in submission to his way. It's, it's simple, but so profound, right? So if I can encourage us, get out of the ranks of bondage. Step into the freedom that comes from relationship with God and doing life his way. This is powerful, right? This is powerful. Amen. Stand with me as I close in prayer. As I was preparing for uh, this morning, I was yesterday just having a time of worship and just aligning my heart with God. And, and, you know, I I was so, I was overwhelmed with gratitude for freedom. Just overwhelmed. Like, God, like, you did that so I could be free. And sometimes I miss it, you know? And it's like, God, thank you. Thank you for your freedom. And that's how I want us to respond. Just pray with me, God, thank you for your freedom. Thank you for your freedom. God, you can break any bondage. We just declare that in Jesus' name that you can break any bondage. You are our chain breaker. I I, I speak that over every person in this room. You are our chain breaker. And whether we are walking in in a prison, whether it's sin or, or something else, we need you to set us free. Thank you. Thank you for your freedom. Father, thank you for the loving invitation we have to continually come to you, continually come to you. Maybe we've been coming to you for years, maybe our whole life. You say you can continually come to me. Thank you for that invitation to bring continual freedom in our lives. God, we accept it. We step into it today. And I want to give each of us a chance to respond and just have a conversation with with God just in, in our spot, right where we are right now. Just ask God, God, is there some area of my life where I need your freedom? And probably all of us immediately think of something. And if not, just ask him. God, is there an area of my life that I need your freedom? Show me. and then God, help me to submit that. I wanna give it to you. I want your freedom. I, I, I just come to you again. Come to you again, God. Thank you for your love, your grace. Thank you that you care. Father, we love you. And our response After all this is just worship. We praise you. Like we're going to sing, we praise the one who set us free. Amen. Thanks for listening. If there's anything we can do to help you along in your journey, email prayer at gmchurch.ca. If you'd like to see what's coming up at Gospel Mission Church or learn more about us, visit gmchurch.ca.